Hi, friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with one of my favorite people, one of my favorite colleagues, Dr. Sandy Shan. How are you, Sandy? Hi, Dr. Brian Greenwood. Thank you. I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Yes, I'm so excited that you accepted and that you were are willing to talk to us today. Uh, Sandy, Dr. Shen is my uh, my next door neighbor. Um, she's yeah. been my next door neighbor here at Cal Poly since 2021. She is an assistant professor in our department. And um, we are also super excited. And one of the reasons why I wanted to invite her onto the podcast is that she is our new and will be our first um, director of the Experience Innovation Lab. And so um, we're very excited about that as well, Sandy. So we'll get to talk all about that. It's uh, super exciting. And congratulations, I want to say congratulations on being named the director. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm so honored and and I I feel the trust from our department, so I will do my best to yes. be the depart like the director of the lab, and hope yeah. we can have a lot of achievements. In this. Yes, for sure. And um, I have I have said this to Sandy um personally, and have said this to Dr. Lin, our our new um, interim uh, department head, that that I am going to do everything I can to to help. Um, to help Sandy and support Sandy. And I know that um, that all of our faculty and staff are going to do that because obviously we're going to have some growing pains with a new lab. It's a, it's a new exciting time for all of us, but um, obviously we'll, we'll have, we'll have problems and issues, but we'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, Sandy, um, let's start, uh, let's start, uh, with um, where you grew up. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Sure. So I grew up in Beijing, which is the capital city of China, known for its rich history, heritage sites, and modern developments. So as you may know, Beijing actually is the first city to host both summer and winter Olympics. So like uh, being a Beijinger, I'm very proud of this city. And to be more specific, actually, I live in Haidian district of Beijing. So um, yeah, this district has a lot of well-known research institutes and top universities. So such as Peking University, where I received my master's degree, and Uh Tsinghua University. And uh, it also referred as the Silicon Valley of China because it has a lot of tech companies. And I really like where I lived because it is near to National Library of China. Uh So I can just walk over and read books. I love it. I love it. And I love the way you started too, uh, Sandy, with um, a recent uh, trivia question that I was able to answer. Um, And that was what city has hosted both the summer and the winter Olympic Games. And I knew it. Uh, My friend, my friend asked me that a couple of weeks ago and I was like, Beijing. And he was like, yep, you're right. So that's, uh, that's very exciting. Um, So I appreciate you telling us a little bit about the area. You know, it's, um, 
for those of us who are um, I- intrigued about different cultures and about travel and tourism, and um, I think it's just so exciting to hear about other places. Um, so that must have been so exciting to to grow up and and uh, like the the or we could we could maybe say that Silicon Valley is like the Beijing of uh, <laughs> you know I'm uh, yeah uh, you know the the uh, I love it the way you compared that. Yeah. Um, what, did, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Yeah, Tampa? my father was the editor in chief of China Architecture Publishing and Media Company, oh. and my mother worked as accountant. So their actually their jobs all required them to pay attention to details. So you yeah. can tell I'm actually also a very detail oriented person. So maybe okay. I was influenced by them and their jobs. One hundred percent. That is uh that is awesome. Very cool. Um, what about any any brothers or sisters, or or you're you're an only child? Yeah, I'm the only child. I don't have any siblings i wish yep. i could have an older brother but mm-hmm. mm, um no. because for us especially during like uh, for our generation yeah. we used to have a one child policy in china yeah. so i my parents were like they were only allowed to have one child but right. now they changed the policy so like uh young couples they can have more than two kids they, if right. they want Right. And and um tell us Sandy, I think this would be this is something that would be helpful for for a lot of people. Tell us when did when was that policy changed? Do you do you know the year, what day? The exact year I don't remember uh but within the I, last 10 20 years yeah. or something. Okay. In recent, I think recent 10 years, because okay. of the population, you know, like yeah. Chinese population dropped down very fast. So the government wants to encourage the people, like well, in, in, encourage people to have more kids so that the population will not be kind of like dropping down so fast. So that is the reason behind it, I, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, now what about what, what you, what were you like? Tell us a little bit about, uh, young Sandy. What did you get into? What was your jam? (laughs) So when I was a little one, actually, I was kind of a very hardworking little one because my parents set very high standards for me. So when I was a kid, I attended a lot of classes like piano or who or who is a Chinese traditional music, uh, musical instrument. Oh. And I also like attended dancing classes, yeah. but I kind of forgot most of them. The oh, only- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm not good at dancing anymore. But the thing I can do now is I can play uh, the tr- traditional Chinese musical instrument or who it's mm-hmm. So it is also known as Chinese violin or a Chinese two-stringed fiddle. So it has two ah. strings. So it is a very unique instrument in China. So yeah, maybe one day I can sh- I can show you the instrument and the play yeah. at, at our party. <laughs> yes, I would love that. I mean, we would love to hear uh, hear you do a a solo on that. Now tell tell me again the name of it. Arhu. So uh, yeah, it's because it has uh, two strings and Uh R in Chinese, uh, in Mandarin means two. So Mm -hmm. like two strings. So Uh Arhu. Arhu. I love it. I love it. That's cool. So 
what about a dream job? You know, you so you had um, a, a, a dad who was an editor and a mom who was a, an accountant. Mm-hmm. What about uh, what about young Sandy? Do you ever remember having a dream job uh, when you were growing up? Yeah, actually, my dream job is always to become a professor. Oh, it was. You were right there um, near these big research institutions and and universities. So really, you you have always dreamed of being a professor? Yes. Yeah, because I... You know, when I was very little, I like to talk to people. I like yeah. to take care of like the kids younger than me. So I, yeah. I kind of like this feeling. So I wanted to become a professor so that I can also help students to mm-hmm. grow and to uh, to success. So that is uh, something I love to do. And also I love to do research. So mm-hmm. I think professor is a job can combine to uh, like size of what I really want to do. Right. And I feel very lucky because I'm on the right track. Yes, I was gonna say, and um, and and you know, for those uh, for those who don't know, Doctor Shen, um, y- you know, one of the things that that I can say pretty confidently, in um, having served on her committee and having been um one of uh, you know, her her neighbor and her colleague, is that she does uh, maintain such a high standard, and um, I just remember the very first time I saw her, um, I saw her speak and I saw her do a presentation for students and I was just blown away with how professional it was and how so now it kind of makes sense Sandy that uh that I'm like that that you said that it was your dream job because it does seem like that that's the way you treat um everything that you do with that type of professionalism and um and and so that that's that's really cool what about your parents were they supportive of that have they been supportive through your journey in becoming a professor yes they are very supportive so the and they are very proud of me because like uh i'm not here i think the same thing like in china like being a professor is a very proud like it's a very good thing especially like Mm -hmm. it demonstrates you have good knowledge and also you have great educational background so mm-hmm. they are very supportive and they also want me to work here yeah. like for the rest of my life if oh, i yeah. can get tenure <laughs> yeah that's cool that's awesome so let's talk about now um i i think it's um i think it's really interesting for for all of our listeners like whenever we talk about that transition between um high school and, and college, right? And particularly for someone who grew up um, in, in Beijing, right? So what was that like? Um, what was the, the process like? And how did you um, choose uh, the university that, that you chose? Oh, yeah, I think we have a very different system. So in China, like, uh, and uh, we have three year high school. So mm-hmm. like at the third year, you need to attend a big exam. So this exam is like all students in China, they mm-hmm. actually take the same 
exam, and that exam will actually determine whether you can be uh, accepted by a university. So yeah. I know here is kind of like a full package. You can you need to have not only your good grades, but also you need to have some other uh, like volunteer jobs or some other things to demonstrate you are uh, like a great student. Mm-hmm. But in China, the, the different thing is the grade Mm-hmm. From that big exam is the only thing will determine if you can be admitted by a university. Gotcha. So that is a different system. And for me, yeah, as I mentioned, I work very hard. So I'm luckily I was admitted to a university I like. Mm-hmm. And in China, like we have the same thing. We have four year uh, bachelor program. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us where where did you where did you go for your bachelor's? So for bachelor, I went to Southeast University in Nanjing. It's also a very great university. Yeah. The reason I chose that one is I didn't want to stay in Beijing. In Beijing, no, yeah. I was gonna say fun. that doesn't sound. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, we have a lot of great universities in Beijing, but at that time, the one criterion for me is like I don't want to stay in Beijing because I have like I lived there for almost 18 years. So I wanted to see different cities. I wanted to try different things. Mm -hmm. So at that time, uh, I didn't apply for any universities in Beijing, just universities outside Beijing. Right, right. I love yeah. it. So so tell us about, about what that experience was like, leaving um, leaving home, leaving, um, leaving Beijing. Um, for You said Nanjing, right? Yes, Nanjing. Yeah. And and, um, and what was Nanjing like? Um, what was that experience like going to to university? Yeah, so I still remembered uh, the first day yeah. I kind of left home. I was super sad. I yeah. didn't really notice like a uh, separation anxiety kind of thing could right. appear and. At that time, to be honest, I was a little bit regretted why I didn't I didn't choose a university in Beijing, why I chose a university so far away. So yeah. at that time, if you want to travel from Beijing to Nanjing, mm-hmm. um, it would take around eight hours by oh. train. But now we have the high speed train. It's oh. The time could be like only five hours or four to five hours. But oh. at that time, when when I attended my university, the transportation was not that not good. good. Right. Yeah. So I. But now they it. almost cut it in half, so it's four yeah. to five hours. That's so impressive! Wow. Yeah, and very convenient. But at that time, it was not in. Not it was as not convenient. the same story. Right. Yeah. So I remember the separation anxiety and the first month, it was not easy because it is a new environment. And actually in China, although we, we, we all speak in Mandarin, but we have different dialects. So like they, they speak a little bit different from what we say. Like, so that is why at the first time, like I also need to kind of get used to the new environment. Yeah. And also for Nanjing, the like it is a so it is uh like a southern part of China. So the temperature was very high. As you remember, like every day it was almost oh about one hundred Fahrenheit. Oh. Like 
Yeah, even like in fall. So it was very hot at that time, and we didn't yeah. have AC.、Oh. So like the temperature and the new environment, everything kind of was not like what I expected.、Yeah. But the good thing is, like after one month, I enjoyed my、um, yeah. study there. So、yeah. I think for every like college student, the same thing. If it was, if it is your first time,、uh, like kind of leaving home. So it will take you around one month to get used to the new environment. But、yeah. after you get used to the new environment, you will enjoy it. You will love it because love it, it is a new adventure. We don't want to just stay within your comfort zone. So it's、right. good to step out and to experience different things. Yeah, I love it, and um, and such great timing to uh, Sandy to to say that because um, you know that your uh your this podcast is going to air right when we're right when we're starting our our fall, um, our fall term, and so that's just such great advice. And um, so let's talk a little bit about that experience in Nanjing. So tell us. Um, tell us one thing that Nanjing is is known for, and tell us: Did you start studying tourism,、um, hospitality, events?、Uh, what what did you study? Yeah. So one thing、uh, Nanjing is very famous for, I think, is the food. So、mm. it has、uh, this city has a lot of great、uh, cuisines. If especially if you like snacks. So they have different kind of snacks, and、oh, yeah. if you have the chance to visit Nanjing or Beijing, I love to take you to try the food.、Yeah. So I think this is a、um, one thing I think it is very famous for. And for the program, yes, I attended a tourism management program. And、uh, to be honest, at that time, actually, my first we have a、uh, weekend have five majors. Uh, like your ideal majors,、okay. my first major,、okay. and then、uh, actually I was admitted in that program. I love tourism program. At the beginning, I was planning to transfer my major from tourism management to architecture. But、yeah. after one year study, I really love this major.、Yeah. I think it opened more doors to me, so I could do like. Things related to hospitality or tourism or like events or sports,、yeah. everything. So that is why I decided to stay with this major and even pursued my PhD. Love it. That's very. That's very cool. So let's talk about、um, that experience of.、Um, You know, you you mentioned right that that your dream job was to become a professor, right? But but then, but obviously, there's steps along the way, right? And、yeah. so, let's talk about、um, what that was like, what that process was like for you,、um, because I think it's、um, I, I think it would be very interesting for for our listeners.、Mm-hmm. Um, like what、uh, what steps did you have to go through? Right, I know.、Um, I, I I know that you were an exchange student, right? You you went to. Um, you went to Hong Kong on a on an exchange program. Did did were were there mentors there or professors there that that kept leading you towards you know masters, PhD, that sort of thing? Ah,、uh, yes. Um, this the answer could be yes and no because for like the program there, ah,、uh, it 
was awesome. Especially as an undergraduate student, I felt so lucky. I had the chance to see like how they conducted research. But at that time, it's kind of like it. Um, so the university, my exchange experience planted the seed, but not really. I decided、mm, I will definitely like have a master's degree or definitely have a PhD degree. So、right. it's kind of just planted a seed. And then, yeah, during my bachelor's、uh, study, I realized I think I'm kind of a person who likes to do research. And then that is why I pursued my master's degree at Peking University. The main reason I chose Peking University is like homesick, you know, you like go after, back home. <laughs> after four years of like life outside Beijing. Oh, I realized、mm, I kind of miss my home. So that、yeah. is why I applied for、uh, Peking University, and、yeah. I、um, luckily I got the admission because for Peking University it is a top university. It is not easy to actually get in. So、yeah. I felt very lucky. And during the three year at Peking University, so the different thing is for Peking University. Uh, some of the programs, master's program in China, we actually have three year program. But here, I know most time is like two years master a、uh, program. And for、uh, some universities in UK, like they only have one year. And that is something students can consider if you want to,、um, like save some time, maybe UK or US, like、yeah. the shorter program. Shorter program, right? Okay, <laughs> you can save you some time. Save, so, save yourself some time, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And actually, I didn't just like apply for a PhD degree after I finished my master's program. I worked for two years. Yeah. So the reason why I didn't go directly to the PhD program is I think I should have some practical experiences, or、yeah. I should have some hands-on experiences, so、yeah. I know what. How to really use research to help the industry? Not only just like in my little box and do not know what is happening around the world.、Yeah. So that is why I actually worked for two years at China Academy of Urban Planning and Design.、Yeah. So yeah, where I actually worked on a couple of tourism planning projects、uh-huh. and. Yeah, and after two years, I realized、hmm, it's a good time to like maybe、uh, have a PhD degree. Especially, I kind of like love to apply what I learned from my school, from my work to、right. like research. So that is why I chose、uh, Guelph University of Guelph to pursue my PhD degree. Yeah, I love it, and、um, I'll I'll just interject. I think this is an important thing for for people to hear,、um, because what what Sandy did in getting that practical experience、um, that I can speak from experience and being part of the hiring committee, right, and and being a part of hiring committees over the years,、um, that experience is really important, right? Being able to Um, see what the industry is really like. Being able to see and being able to apply and being able to bring that into the classroom is really an important thing. And、um, and I can say from from experience that 
that was um, not only was San- did Sandy have that experience, but she was able to draw on that experience um, in teaching classes, right? And that really impressed us. And um, so let's talk, uh, uh, Sandy, about that experience, you know, so, so you went to Southeast University in Nanjing and, and you, you, you realized that you missed home, right? And you came back and you came back and, and you worked and, and you got a master's degree there in, in Beijing. And then you made the decision to go way, way even farther, um, from, from Beijing, um, all the way, um, to Canada and the University of Guelph. Um, tell us about what that experience was like. Um, and for those who are not familiar, tell us where, uh, University of Guelph is located in Canada. Yeah. So, uh, the University of Guelph is kind of like one and a half hours drive from Toronto. So Toronto is a big city of Canada. And so uh, at that time, I also wanted to mention why I chose the University of Guelph. So like, actually, I met my supervisor, Dr. Marion Jopper, even before I applied for this university. And I met her at an event. So she came to uh, my university, Peking University, to give us a like a lecture. And after her lecture, I found my like passion or I really interest in what she did, especially related to sustainability. So okay. I reached out to her and she at that time I didn't really decide to have a PhD degree, but she mentioned they have a PhD program and she sent me the related information. So I just I kind of took a quick look, but I didn't really think mm, that is something I will definitely do. But at a later time, when I kind of um, I think mm, it's a good time to have a PhD degree, and I like searched the email we had, and I read the information very carefully, and then I reached out to Dr. Man Dropper and told her, yeah, I think I'm ready. I wanted to have a PhD degree, and then that is why I chose University of Guelph. And here I wanted to um, let our students know that for your like career paths, you never know where it will like the direction. So I think the main suggestion I can give you is like, be open-minded so you can try different things and you never know when the opportunities will come and you you, you should not really expect opportunities, they will come to you. So it is you to reach out to different people, you seek for different opportunities. And that is something related to how I chose the University of Guelph for my PhD uh, study. And for the experience there, I think it was like a great experience. So uh, for the University of Guelph, it is a very supportive system. So it gives our students, especially PhD students, a lot of teaching opportunities. Even I was like the second year PhD student, I had the chance to teach classes. So it is very 
important, especially for us, for PhD students, because after we graduate, we need to find a job at the university. So、mm-hmm. if you do not really have the teaching experience, you don't know how to communicate or you how to deliver information. It is not good for the students, and also it is impossible for you to get a job. Right? Yeah, that's a good, really good point. So let's talk.、Um, Let's talk a little bit more though about that cross-cultural thing, right? And so, you know, obviously, you had spent what your first twenty-five、uh, years or so of life、um, <laughs> in an Asian country, right, in, in China,、um, and then you moved、um, all the way around the world, right, to、uh, to to Canada, and so that must have been that must have been difficult. Um, talk to us about、um, about that cross cultural aspect and、um, how that how you made that adjustment, right? I assume,、um, and and if you don't mind too for us, Sandy, but、uh, tell us like when did you first start、um, learning English? Did you did you、um, were you fluent in English before you moved to Canada, like that that sort of thing? Oh, great question! So I think when I was maybe ten years old. So that is the time our like in China, like now actually, kids they learn English when they are at kindergartens. But when I、oh. during my like for my generation, like the. The school they provide,、uh, the school provided English program when、uh, when we were around ten years old. So that is the time when I started to learn English. So、right. we learned very basic、uh, things like how to greet people, like how are you, and、mm-hmm. find like thank you and you something like that. It's very yeah,、right. cute. And、right. um, after that, we I also try to have some other opportunities to practice my English. So, like as I mentioned, my parents they had very high standard for me.、Mm-hmm. So they actually also like、um, sent me to some summer camp to learn English. Oh, they did! <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we have some like we have、uh, foreigners. They They actually came to China and they actually provide English classes because it's better to learn English from like you or not、mm-hmm. native speakers will be better because it can help us to improve our pronunciation.、Mm-hmm. So everything. So、mm-hmm. that is when I started to learn English, and for the. Cross cultural things. I think、um, for Canada and the United States, I didn't experience、uh, a lot of differences. Only some terms or phrases.、Uh, maybe、uh, you use different、uh, words, as I mentioned. Like for、mm-hmm. example, like a convocation or commencement. So we use different words, but not really a、mm-hmm. big difference. We can. I think I didn't feel a lot of like cultural differences here,、okay. and especially for、uh, I, one thing, very funny thing is、uh, I'm not sure whether you know Canadians like to say sorry, like oh, oh. I'm sorry, like、oh, they sorry, use, sorry, yeah, sorry all the time, <laughs> all sorry the time. all the time, yeah, and, yeah. But I I feel like.、Uh, 
here people are very nice and friendly yeah, yeah. i also hear sorry at this like the same thing so uh, i didn't really feel a big difference gotcha gotcha yeah. and But, uh yeah go, go ahead. ahead go ahead yeah go ahead sorry i didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> no, no, totally fine. So I think for the cultural differences between China and the United States, it's a big difference. Like okay. it has a big difference. So as I mentioned, even the educational system, we actually are different. We have different educational systems and also like the language different mm -hmm. and even for me i'm still improving my english you know like i'm not native speakers so some uh i'm not native speaker so sometimes i need to self-correct what i just said i know oh i should right. not say in this way right. so yeah right. yeah it's nice to use uh language uh like for example like here like you You grew up here. I grew up in Beijing, but we can use English to communicate. I think yeah. it's a fantastic thing. Yeah, I I, t I agree, and um, I just uh, I you know I I think one of the things that I have always admired about about you and and um, and others who who make this transition is I just try to put myself and try to imagine myself um teaching in beijing and <laughs> i can't i can't even fathom it like i can't like i you know I, i feel like i barely can teach in um in my uh native language <laughs> <laughs> you also very well <laughs> that, uh, that, thank you but i just i just so admire i so admire w what you what you've done and and um And and what a what a great job you've done in terms of the transition. Let's talk about um, let's talk about your time here at Cal Poly. You know your your early career. Um, you know I mentioned earlier, and and I'll say it again. Um, Dr. Shen has just um, just been such a superstar. Obviously, she arrived here at Cal Poly during a difficult time. Right, we were. Um, you know, in the you know, we were coming out of the pandemic, but we were still in the pandemic, and it was a tough transition. Um, but she has just been such a great colleague and such a great uh, mentor for our students, and a teacher and researcher. And um, but but you know, obviously, transitions are hard, right? Obviously, you established a really great record up at at, at Guelph and. And um, and and you moved here, and and you had some great research that you were already doing, but still, that had to be hard to move during a pandemic and to start during a pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, yeah, the transition was not easy, especially from Canada to the United States. And as you know, and um, our students, they probably don't know, like because of the visa thing, actually, my start uh, was delayed for almost one year because we were waiting for the visa. And the good thing is I really appreciate all the support from you and our faculty team. I always feel like I'm so lucky being a part of the EIM team. And I like to call our team EIM big family. Yeah. So I love here, although the transition was not easy, one is a visa thing. The second thing is like, 
at that time I was pregnant. Yeah. I, I, and so everything was not easy. Yeah. So, but the good thing is I received a, a support from our department and our university. So yeah. I think, um, I, I would say like for the transition to Two things are very important. One is proactive. So I try to prepare everything in advance. For example, my classes, I prepared my classes when, well, I was waiting for the visa. So I wanted to make sure I could deliver good content. And also I learned from your slides, your syllabus to see how you set up your classes here at Cal Poly. And the second thing I think very important is being flexible because we never know what what things like could happen so the right. best thing is like being flexible and you just ride the wave and then you will really reach your goal yeah uh, like finally yeah, yeah 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 i love it i love it and um you know i i just um <clears throat> i i appreciate you you saying that and and um in, in sharing some of the difficulties that you that you had with with visa with the, the visa situation and you know obviously we just we all felt so we felt for you and and we're we're so frustrated by all of that but um it's great to hear that you felt supported and um we we obviously wanted that to be as supportive as we wanted to be as supportive as possible so let's talk about uh, up into this year, and and we we have some exciting things going on, and um and and Dr. Shen is is a huge part of of that excitement. You know, she um this this summer she she helped me with with eye tracking technology. One of her specialties is is eye tracking technology and and doing research. Um, um along those lines and um and obviously we we were opening the experience innovation lab and some people might say wait a second didn't you already open that like well we had a we opened the building and we had a kickoff of the lab but the lab still technically as we're speaking right now on um <laughs> in the 1st of September is still not technically fully ready um but we'll be opening it officially this fall and like i said dr shen has been named the uh the director of the experience innovation lab so let's talk about uh that for for a second give us your your elevator pitch for the lab uh to help get the word out and to tell um tell the world about what you're most excited about for the lab Sure. Thank you. So first, thank you again for nominating me as the lab director. I'm so honored. And uh, for the introduction or elevator pitch, I will say uh, our lab, our experience innovation lab is a dynamic hub of creativity and innovation at the intersection of education and industry. So I think our mission is to shape the future of the experience industry by empowering students, professionals, and organizations to design, create, and deliver extraordinary experiences based on first-hand data. So our lab is where creativity meets cutting-edge technology, where students become industry leaders, and where innovation thrives. 
So it is the gateway to unlocking the full potential of the experience economy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> can we can we just bottle that up there, Dr. <laughs> Shan? That's just uh what a fabulous sign me up. You just got me excited. You got me even more excited. Uh and so I, I think our listeners can can tell just in that 30-second elevator pitch why we uh, why we selected. Dr. Shen to to be our our first director. Um, what a fabulous elevator pitch, and and uh, it's just so exciting um, to think about all of the possibilities. Um, but let's uh, let's 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 talk negative first. Let's uh, talk about like what do you see? What do you see as the most pressing problem? or challenge um, that's that's facing our our department or our experience innovation lab moving forward? Yeah, so um, uh, I think I, I like to mention two things. One thing is like uh, how to engage and ha- how to engage the industry and have impactful research. So we know like uh, we received a donation from George P. Johnson. So we wanted to maintain good relationship with them. And also we wanted to really solve industry problems and issues. So we must retain relevant and uh, impactful in addressing industry challenges. So it needs us to reach out and to have uh, meetings with them, to learn from them, to see what they want us to help them. And another thing is we also wanted to receive uh, more donations because like for our lab, we need our students to involve. We hope our students can be involved. So that is something we really need to uh, kind of um, try to figure out how to have a good model to collaborate with mm-hmm. the industry and with the students. Yeah, and- I love it. I love it. And, you know, um, y- you just reminded me, and I, as I was thinking about it this um, this summer also, um, you know, when when we were when Dr. Schwab and I were writing um, the book on Learn by Doing, um, more, the More Than a Motto book, one of the things that we heard from Cal Poly professors, um, you know, we we were doing a case study on on the chemistry department, mm-hmm. and one of the professors um, that that I spoke with, I said, I said, so come on, I mean, give give me a break. I mean, is is it really? Is there really a difference between Cal Poly and Stanford? I was like, surely undergraduates at Stanford are doing similar things to what undergraduates at Cal Poly are doing. And and this this gentleman was was a Stanford grad and he said, no, it's not. He was like, I, as a Stanford undergraduate, there's no chance I would have ever been able to touch the equipment that um, I ended up being able to touch as a PhD student. <laughs> so as a Stanford PhD student, I got to use the expensive equipment, 
But the difference is at Cal Poly, we're putting that expensive equipment in the hands of undergraduates. And <laughs> so this summer, for example, you know, I had uh, I had Joe Kelly, who was one yeah. of my um, research assistants and and Dr. Shen had Hadara Gordon and had um, other students. Um, Dr. Dr. Lin had had Mimi um, uh, Aretas and, and they were utilizing and Michelle Zhang, they were utilizing this very, very expensive ITAC tracking technology. And they were the ones who were conducting the research. And and so I think that's one of the things that's so exciting is that we are putting these things in the hands of our, our undergraduates. Would you agree about that? Yes, definitely. And actually, it leads to the second challenge I wanted to mention, which is talent development. We know like we love our students. We want to give them opportunities to try different technology to learn from us. And another thing is for them, they are undergraduate students. So their main focus actually is not research. So that is why one thing we need to motivate, we hope we can have more students who have the passion for research. And second thing is we probably also need to provide some classes like to teach them how to use the technology and some methodology things. So it's not only like one-on-one uh like like one-on-one instruction. We love to provide this kind of instruction, but right. it will only benefit a couple of students. It would be better or even better if we could have kind of a program. When students, they are interested in our research projects, we can have like maybe 10, uh, 10 days program. It's kind of like mm-hmm. we teach all of them the students who are interested in research mm-hmm. about using the technology and some basic uh, like methodology and uh, something we need to use for research projects. Exactly. So I think that is the challenge, but also an opportunity. Right. Love it. Love it. Very exciting. And and um and that that leads us right into those opportunities, right? And so yeah. what, do you, what do you what do you see? as um as the the greatest opportunities that we have moving forward yeah we have a lot of great opportunities ahead of us yeah i'm super excited and very uh positive about the future of our lab so um just mention some of them i think the first opportunity is we can build strong connections with the industry partners and the local community and it is good for both the industry partners and the students because students they want to um, find a job after they graduate so when they work on the industry projects they can learn from them and they can enhance their skills. And after they complete the projects, maybe the partners, they love our students, they may provide some job opportunities for them. So I think it's a great uh, like uh, model for the development of our lab and also to help students to uh, find their potential careers. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, so 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 very exciting and you know i i think about you know i was was talking with an industry professional um 
this morning and, you know, uh, like all of the wheels started turning and like just thinking about, um, you know, I think one of the, the, the huge advantages that we have on a college campus um, is the fact that we have college students, right? That we have the next generation, right? And the next generation are the ones who are going to be turning the wheels of um, of everything, right? I mean, of of commerce, of leadership, of management, of all of these different things. And so, the the idea that we can partner with industries and can connect them to this next generation, I think, is is such a powerful thing. And um, and I'm super excited that you're going to be leading us uh, down that path. So. When you think back, um, these last couple of questions are more of those um, questions of, um, you know, kind of being able to look back and think about advice that you might give yourself or you might give students, that sort of thing. So when you were when you were there at Southeast University as an undergraduate, uh, if you could if you could time travel, what advice would you what advice would you give to yourself, Sandy? Okay, yeah, reflecting on the beginning of my maybe my study at the Southeast University or my career, I think a couple of valuable lessons and insights that I wish I had known like them one thing i think is it's important to actively seek feedback from your advisors colleagues and the supervisors so yes we love to receive compliments and positive feedback but actually constructive criticism can help you grow and improve so that is something i'm still working on because we always want to hear about positive things but kind of like shut our uh, like window for negative things but if you can really receive very constructive feedback from your Mm -hmm. supervisors or colleagues it is very important and if they really want to give you some negative not negative but some suggestions it means they really care about your career about your growth so I think this is one thing I like to mention and another thing I like to mention is like Finding a healthy work-life balance is mm-hmm. essential for long-term well-being. So, mm-hmm. like even when I was a undergraduate student, I think I worked super hard. So, like I'm not really kind of really uh, think too much about my health because I think uh, I'm young, so it's fine. But with the time flies, I realized, yeah. Having some exercise every day and eating good diet and also find the time to give yourself mm-hmm. some time to ref- to relax, it is very important. So I think these are the two lessons I like to share with our students as well. Yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, that that first part, that constructive um, criticism and that that, that feedback, uh, I think, is so so critical and um you know i think we all struggle with it to a certain extent but one of the things that that i think is so important is recognizing that um we're here to help each other right we're here we're we're on each other's team and we're a part of each other's support network and i think when 
when that breaks down and when you lose that trust that someone wants to help you, right? Like why would someone on your team want to be hurting you, right? Well, um, they don't and they they want to help you. And so if you don't take that constructive criticism, if you don't take that feedback in a healthy way, then eventually you may end up getting someone not wanting to help you, right? Because uh-huh. you're like, they're like, well, this person is not open to it. They're defensive. They're not like, they, they don't believe that I'm on their team for some reason, right? Like, uh-huh. why would I, why would I be working to destroy them? I'm working to help them because they're part of our team. And, um, and that's one of the things that I am so excited about for the future with, with you and and Dr. Pei Zhang and 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 Dr. Lin and Dr. Goldenberg and Dr. Greenwood and so now and Dr. Schwab and now if I don't if I lose leave anybody out, <laughs> no, you you and I'm, Diane I'm, I'm, and Kathy yeah. and Jen and Kirk <laughs> and Amber and um okay I now I've got to name everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I missing? Am I missing any? And Carrie and um, uh, Carrie Dupron and um, and uh, all of our wonderful faculty and Jamie Wallace, I I understand is um, going to still teach a class for us. Uh, and so we have such a wonderful team, and um, I'm so excited for the future. Let's leave with this, um, Doctor Shen. Um, Hopefully, we'll have lots of experienced industry management students who will listen to this. So what message to the for the future do you want to convey to them about the Experience Innovation Lab? Sure. So I think our Experience Innovation Lab not only represents a physical space, but a mindset. So a mindset that embraces curiosity, creativity, and innovation in the experience industry. So students remember uh, like that you are the future leaders in this field. So your ideas, energy, and dedication have the power to shape the future. And so please feel free to reach out to our faculty team whenever you want to work on a project or just have a research idea. So our lab is your playground for exploration and discovery. So it also offers opportunities for you to connect with your peers, mentors, and industry uh, partners, our industry partners. So you might not know what your futures could be, but keep exploring and having enthusiasm will help you open more doors. So just join us and like reach out to us. Love it. I love it. Absolutely. And I think everyone listening um, can absolutely see why we hired you as uh, our director um, of the of the Experience Innovation Lab. We're going to all help you, um, Sandy. I don't want you to feel like that, that you're going to shoulder the burden alone. We're all here to help you. Um, but you are um, you are a shining star and we are so lucky to have you on our team as a part of our family. And um, just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Dr. 
Brian Greenwood. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking with you, and also it also helped me to think about the future of our lab. One hundred percent, exactly. The future is bright. Thanks so much. Thank you. See ya.